So we started our series last week called Ecstatically Married. And we're going through week by week, and we're going to be very systematic. Last week was what is a man? This week is what is a woman? Next week is what is a husband? After that, can you guess what's next? What is a wife? After that, headship. After that, submission. After that, we'll, we'll, we'll call it intimacy. Um, that's what the next sermon is going to be. After that one, might have lost track. I should have written these down. I have them written down, but not in front of me. And uh, what I want to do throughout the series, and Adam, I didn't ask you to do this yet, but if you could do this now or this week, I want you, you to be able to submit questions throughout this series. I want you to be able to submit thoughts or objections or, hey, could you clarify or you said this or you said that. Why, why would you do that on this series, Pastor? Of course, you can always ask me any question anytime. Uh, but in particular, I'm, I'm making that available and I want you to have the opportunity to do that anonymously if you feel the desire to. Because these issues, unfortunately, are considered hot-button issues. These issues are, unfortunately, controversial. One of the values we have as a church is we fight where the fight is, though. So we don't go, that's controversial. We'll just we'll, we'll speak vanilla language around it so that everyone's comfortable. No, we love God's best. We love God's truth. And we want his ideals. So to say yes to something is to say no to something else. To say I am a man is to say I'm not a woman. To say I'm a husband is to say I'm not a wife. So all these things have meaning, but all these things are good. So I'll, I'll probably, I've probably already said some things last week that you may go, wait a second. I thought, and maybe I will today. Maybe I will in the coming weeks. So I want you to be able to ask questions and be able to get those into me. So we'll come up with some means, some method, some app, something. Um, of course, you can always just ask me anything directly. If you don't have my, phone, my cell phone number, ask me for it and you'll get it. Um, but if you, wanna, if you want the opportunity to do that anonymously, and what we're going to do at the end of this whole series is we're going to have a night just for the, the men and women, men and women, uh, but specifically we're going to focus on marriage that night, and we're going to have a good time. We're going to have food, we're going to have game night, and we're going to do a Q&A where Natalie and I answer the questions that have come through. I'll answer the questions that I need to answer, but she and I will also answer anything regarding couples. So we'll have a good time. We'll get together with that. Um, Mom, I need you to... Lock, lock us in for a location for that as well. So everybody's learning about this right now, Mom and Adam both, as, uh, as I plan to head well. But um, so I'm looking forward to that. We're going to have a good time with it. And the heart behind everything that we're doing is we want to worship the Lord more fully. We want to love and rejoice in his ways better. We want to rejoice in God's good design. I was talking to a pastor friend this week. He said, what's your walk away? What's your point? What, what are you really getting at with this sermon on Sunday? Because I was talking to him about my thoughts and the angle about, you know, what is a woman? And I said, oh, it was, it was obvious. It was such a gift that he asked that question because it helped me to clarify. I said that we would worship, that we would rejoice in God's design, that we would embrace it, or specifically women, that, that, that women would embrace it, pursue it more deliberately, and embody it more fully. Amen. Same is true for the, for the sermon, what is a man? And if you did not hear the sermon... You must, as your pastor, I don't charge you with a lot of things. I'm saying, man, go listen to last week's sermon. I didn't preach it to the mirror. I preached it to you. It was for you. And there was like me here. So uh, <laughs> there, there was only a couple of guys here. So uh, I'm preparing this message for you. It's not for the internet. We put it on the internet, but it's not for the internet. It's for you. You're, you're the flock that I love and that I'm shepherding and that I'm preaching to and for. 
So go listen to that sermon as a man. It will bless you. And of course, women listen to it as well. It will also bless you. We can still rejoice in God's good design. And then with the whole series, what are we doing? Well, it's called ecstatically married because that's what we want. We want to be ecstatically married to our spouses. Uh, the phrase often uses, are you happily married? Could, could we say that we're happily married? Well, that would, be a, that would be a good bar to set. But the argument, the point I'm making is we want God's best and we want God's ideals. God's people should enjoy his richest and his best in marriage. Good Christian marriages should not look like good worldly marriages. Amen. And they do. And it stinks. Some of you are going, yep, I'm in there right now. Good news. We're in the middle of a series. I should tell you about it. It's called Ecstatically Married. And it's to actually help you to grow and actually help you apply and actually help you to learn and say, what would it look like? Is it this magic thing that falls down out of the sky? Did I marry the wrong person? All the nonsensical uh, attacks that the enemy would shoot at us, we're going to dismiss those and we're going to go, God's ways are best. God's ways are perfect. And his word will lead us into all truth. So if we can embrace those things, we can rejoice in them. And then, of course, the thought comes, well, it takes two to tango. You're going to find out not so much in the coming weeks when you hear about the power that a husband has to influence his wife even if she's not super enthusiastic about that. You're also going to hear about the power that a woman has, that a wife has to influence her husband as a woman and the power that a man has as a man, distinctly masculine, distinctly feminine, incredible influence over one another, even if the other seems, meh, I'm content. I don't necessarily want to contend for the most. So get your hopes up, saints. Know that God's ways are best and that he has something beautiful intended for marriage. But we're starting basic with what is a man, what is a woman, and that's what we're going to do in the coming weeks. So keep, keep track of your questions. Of course, you could always drop them in a boxer in front of the whole church if you wanted to. And I say, ooh, that's a good question. I'll answer you right there. I'll say, we'll hit that on the marriage night. I'll give you a quick answer now because it's going to be like you know, 10 weeks away. Um, but I'll also, we'll also save that for the marriage night. And we can dig into it even more there. So we're in Genesis, or you are, I'm in Psalms. Um, Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them... So when he said, let us make man, he's talking about mankind... Let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let us make them, plural, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Heavenly Father, we trust that the treasures of your word are going to bless us, fill us, encourage us, and give us a joy. Lord, we don't, we don't walk around with a sour look to tell the world about what the scripture says. We walk around with good news to say that our Father is perfect This is our Father's world and everything that he has done, all of his ways are perfect, good, true, and beautiful. 
God, we thank you for glorifying yourself through man. We thank you for glorifying man through woman. We thank you for the masculine and the feminine design that you started in the garden before sin, before any malfunction, before any disobedience. Help us to see it with clarity. Help me to teach it with boldness. And help your people to receive it with joy. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. What do we see here in Genesis 1, 26 through 28? We see that both men and women are given what, what can be called the, the cultural mandate or the creation mandate. To what? To fill the earth and subdue it. Man and woman both given the authority over the earth. Man and woman both given the responsibility to rule over the earth together to fill the earth and subdue it. But we're not spending our time in our sermon on what generic humans are to do. Because God didn't make generic humans. We're spending our time and we're focusing on how to obey the creation mandate as a woman. How do I obey the creation mandate as a man? Because there's a distinction and there's a difference. Elizabeth Elliot wrote a book. Uh, She was the wife of Jim Elliot, a missionary who was killed by cannibals, was it? I don't know. Rough folks in South America. We'll say we'll put it that way. And uh, she wrote a beautiful book called Let Me Be a Woman. Uh, I'll warn you guys, if you read it, you're going to be like, dang, let me be a woman. Uh, because it's, it really is awesome. And when I read the book years ago, I just thought, this is, this is beautiful. This is absolutely beautiful. And it's absolutely wonderful. And I, I seriously recommend everybody reads it, men and women. It's a short book. But in the book, Elizabeth Elliot said, she said, I don't want anybody treating me as a person rather than as a woman. Our sexual differences are the terms of our life. And to obscure them in any way is to weaken the very fabric of life itself. When they are lost, we are lost. She's saying, Don't, I'm, not a, I'm not just a human. Yeah. Does it mean something to be human? It most definitely does. And I'm, and I'm overstepping all of that with the what is a man sermon and the what is a woman sermon. I'm overstepping that we're made in the image of God. We're made to fellowship with him. That's our primary, that's the primary end of man. That's the chief end of man, to love God and to glorify him forever. That's mankind. But then we we, we step past that. We already made a quick step past it. We go, okay, but specifically now as a dude, what does that mean? Specifically now as a woman, what does that mean? Both have the umbrella of love and fellowship with with the Lord forever. We're, t- we're taking that for granted, and then we're zooming in going, okay, now masculinity, okay, now femininity. And I love how Elizabeth Elliot brought that out. She's going, I don't want to be treated as a generic human. I want to be treated like a woman. There's a way to be treated like a woman, I wanna, or I want to be treated like a man. And there's a way to be treated like a man. Men, we know that, don't we? We know that. We sense that. We feel that. So turn one page over in Genesis chapter 2. We're going to read verses 18 through 25. Now we're going to see the creation of woman. So in chapter 1, we got the quick narrative. He's saying, here's what happened. Here's what he did. And now he begins to zoom in and goes, now let me tell you exactly how it unfolded. So God created man and woman. He gave them authority over the earth. But now I want to explain to you the details and the specifics. Now I've told you this before. I'll tell you it again. All doctrine starts in Genesis in seed form. All truth begins in Genesis. The way the scripture is even laid out, and it becomes more clear as the scriptures go on. It becomes, it becomes embarrassingly clear in the New Testament. It becomes explicitly plain and like laughably like, you've got to be kidding me. Um, this is so explicit. How, how, do we, how do we use biblical gymnastics to dodge these things? Why would we want to is the more important question. So in Genesis, we see here that the Lord is doing everything by design and by purpose. 
Nothing is flippant. Oh, I guess I should make a person. Oh, oh, he needs a, a teammate, a poof. You know, I'll make another one. Nothing was just random. Everything the Lord is doing, there's no sin, there's no stain, there's no malfunction. It is God's perfect design and perfect will being embodied and fleshed out. And there's reason for everything that he's doing. Chapter two, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the, of the heavens and to the beasts of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. What is a woman? That's what we're answering today. But first we're gonna say what a woman is not. Just like we did last week. What is a man? Well, what is a man not? What is a woman not? A woman is not a man. Thank you, Pastor Obvious. So what does that mean for a woman? It means a woman should not act like a man. What's wrong with acting like a man? Nothing. If you're a man, what's wrong with acting like a woman? Nothing at all. If you're a woman, that would in fact be the good, true, and right thing to do. But if you're acting like something that you're not, then that's actually rebellion against God, and it's even damaging against the very nature inside of you. We've often failed, and we have been unwilling as the body of Christ in recent days to be precise when it comes to masculinity and femininity. And studying and research it grieved me even more. I had this sense, I built this, I thought I had built this narrative in my head, you know, the work that I do in my business. I do a lot of work with masculinity and femininity. So in my head, I'm like, maybe I'm just like in a silo, John Michael. You know, sometimes I, I try and get my head out of the sand that I think I'm stuck in. And I look and I research and I read and I watch videos and I listen to podcasts. And all it ever does is build my conviction that we are anemic, that we are pathetically weak on clarity regarding these subjects. It actually makes me go, I thought I was maybe overstating my case. I wasn't even going close. I was never even going far enough to state how good, true, and beautiful it is. I was not bringing enough clarity and enough boldness to help wake people up to God's good design. The church is either ignorant of this issue or terrified to talk about of it. I've certainly as a man been guilty of both. So I'm not throwing stones, but I am throwing out a life ring to say, please take it. Get out of the water. You're drowning and it doesn't do anyone any good. It's not loving. It's not good. It's not true. It's not beautiful. God's ways are best. We can say it with a smile on our face. I can preach this sermon and say, all you're about to hear is good news. There won't be one ounce of bad news anywhere in this sermon for anybody, especially for women. The same was true for last week for men. Even when I told them, hey, you're the one who dies first. I didn't give men bad news last week because men go, we know that. Of course we do. We know that. It's right. 
We got this. It's our nature. It's our design. Does that mean I'm meaningless? Men don't ever think that. Men never think that. Who am I worthless? No man ever thinks that. He goes, it's my purpose. It's my design. It's what I'm for. It's good. It's right. It's good. It's manly. But does the other happen with women? Has the snake been whispering to women? Has the snake been whispering to men about women in our culture? I'm a helper. What do you mean by that? Whoa, sister. We're supposed to step in and go, yay. Now teach me the details, not slow down. Be careful. None of that. So all these things, all these lies that the snake has whispered, all these deceptions have come in. We, we tear down these things with what? With truth, with the clarity of what God wants, because we must be precise. Our temptation, though, is to shoot our arrow. To me, being a woman is this. And then I paint the target around whatever my life looks like. To me, being a man is this. And then I paint the red target around wherever John Michael's masculinity is or lack thereof is. I didn't measure up as a man. But I just want to say, well, everything that John Michael's done in his life, to me, that's masculinity. Well, nobody cares about your to me, John Michael. You're not, the, you're not the pinnacle. You're not the descriptor. You're not the creator. So I understand that temptation, but God has actually painted the target for masculinity. God has painted the target for femininity. And although I've missed the target for masculinity many times, that, that just draws me to repentance. That draws me to say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, help me. And he says, I got you, son, and I will. I got you, daughter, and I will. But be honest to say, the Lord sets the standard. The Lord's ways are best and true. And if I miss it, I'm not worthless. I'm not shamed and I'm not condemned. But there is repentance to take place. (laughs) This is Christianity 101, just normal Christian behavior. You know, repentance is a part of the Christian life. Not perfection, but the, the ongoing walk of repentance. We repented a moment ago. We should have. Instead of just repeating in in vain repetition, I confess my sins. I forgive others of theirs so that I can be forgiven. So we've got to follow God's design with manhood, with womanhood, not making excuses and not doing the moronic thing that Satan tempts us to do, focusing on the rare exceptions. Well, what about, and then we create this concocted story or maybe a, a, a unique true story. Like we talked about last week, men are supposed to be strong. Well, I know a guy who got in a car wreck and he's paralyzed and his wife is a power lifter. What do you do with that, preacher man? Oh, checkmate. I've been totally defeated. God's truth has been thrown out the window because we have a, a, a rare and unique exception. That's moronic. And that's childish. And it's unbiblical. Exceptions are exceptions, but we're talking about the general, the normative, the design and the purpose. So... Can, can we be other things? We can be other things. Can we be extra things? We can be extra things, but never at the expense of what we were designed for. Well, I like this. Okay, you can like that. Well, I like this. Okay, you can like that. But never at the expense of your masculinity. Never at the expense of your femininity. So be careful to hear what I say and be careful to don't hear what I don't say. Oh, I think he meant, no, I meant what I said. And I said what I meant, unless I misspeak, in which case I'll fix that too through repentance. So we're not going to make excuses. We're not going to focus on rare exceptions. Instead, we're going to focus on seeking the Lord's perfect will. So women have been robbed of their feminine nature. 
Satan has lied to them and convinced them that they should be something else. Elizabeth Elliot, again, the author, uh, this is from her book, Let Me Be a Woman. She said, what sort of world might it have been if Eve had refused the serpent's offer and had said to him instead, let me not be like God. Let me be what I was made to be. Let me be a woman. Because that was the temptation. That was the lie. Hey, 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 you're missing out. You're just a woman. It's all you are. God is keeping something from you. He's, he's hidden something from you. He knows that you'll be like him. What if Eve had said, <laughs> I, I'm real good. Let me, be, let me be a woman. What a powerful question. Now his lie, I don't think to women, is let them be like God. I think his lie now is that a woman only has value when she behaves in a masculine way. Phrases like powerful woman tell us something about the propaganda created by the enemy. And in doing this, Satan and his children have devalued femininity. They claim to make much of femininity, but they don't. They distort it and try and turn it into masculinity and say, this is a powerful woman. What little girl goes around saying, what do you want to be when you grow up? Powerful. That's not the feminine nature inside of a little girl. It's not the feminine desire inside of a healthy little girl. It's not the healthy desire inside of a woman either. This is a lie that Satan's whispering. They belittle womanhood. But God made women. Our God made women. And he made them with design. And he made them magnificent. He already had a man. But he wanted a woman. Elizabeth Elliot says again, It is a naive sort of feminism that insists that women prove their ability to do all the things that men do. This is a distortion and a travesty. Men have never sought to prove that they can do all the things women do. Why subject women to a purely masculine criteria? Women can and ought to be judged by the criteria of femininity, for it is in their femininity that they participate in the human race. And femininity has its limitations. So has masculinity. That is what we've been talking about. To do this is to not do that. To be this is to not be that. To be a woman is to not be a man. So she's arguing, why do you subject us to be more masculine? Can you do what a man can do? No, that's what a man's for. (laughs) Can you do what a woman can do? No, that's what women are for. But Satan's lie is, the the word, the technical word that, that leaves people's lips is equality. The meaning, though, is sameness. 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 Androgyny genderlessness, which brings us to our present insanity that we're actually seeing walked out and lived out. The moments that we're experiencing now, the insanity that we see in our culture, the wickedness and the depravity is a necessary, it is a necessary flow down the river from, from the past decades of what our culture has experienced and believed. A woman can do anything like a man and you keep taking those logical steps and it brings you to what you see in the news today. It brings you to what we're experiencing. So when answering what is a woman, we first said what she's not. She's not a man. But now in answering what is a woman, we can start with the fact that, yes, she is a human being made in the image of God. She is made to know him, to fellowship with him, and to worship him. That's like the big umbrella for humans. But I haven't been distinct on woman yet. And that's the thing I kept running into in my research. What is a woman? What's a godly woman? What's a godly woman? All I found... Fruits of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit, Bible stuff. She should walk with the Lord. So should a man, bro. Tell me, tell me about a woman 
the essence of femininity. Um, she, should, she should know the word of God. So should a man. You didn't say anything distinct. You're, you're being, I don't know if you're doing this on purpose or if you're just clueless, but do you realize you still haven't said anything feminine yet? You're still just saying what all humans should be. It's good. It's right. But go on. I'm waiting. And it never comes. It never comes. They won't go any farther. She should love the Lord with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength. Yes, she should. As should a man. Now, could you say anything particular about a woman? Well, you know, women are versatile. Okay, bro. I'm officially calling you a coward now. It's official. (laughs) Or you're just clueless. Which is it? We've got to move past this. So what is a woman? Yes, she's made in the image of God. To know him, fellowship with him, and worship him. Case closed. She should pursue him all the days of her life. But now more distinctly, let's zoom in. A woman is an adult human female. Thanks again, Pastor Obvious. Every single one of the 100 trillion cells in her body has been marked by her maker with the female XX chromosomes. We can safely and wisely look to the details that the Lord has put into a woman's biology because God didn't do it flippantly. It was exactly what woman needed to fulfill her calling as a woman. We should consider her visible design just like we did with man because God did it all on purpose. The design of a woman's body reveals something about her purpose. The physical images the spiritual. The physical body gives instruction and clues for the spiritual and emotional life and purpose. So what do we notice about a woman's body? Women's bodies are softer than men's bodies. Women are beautiful. Men, that's your chance. Amen. Anybody? (laughs) A woman's reproductive design is the receiver, not the giver. A woman carries her children inside of her. A woman has breasts for nursing her babies. All of this means something. This is good. These aren't flaws. These are features. And these aren't exclusively external features. Oh, that's just a physical design to serve in a, a deeper purpose as well. God connected all of the dots. What does it mean that a woman is soft? Well, she's soft. So what does that reveal about the purpose of her as a woman? A woman is to be tender. A woman is to bring tenderness. A woman is to be nurturing. A woman's skin is more sensitive than a man's skin. Literally, women have thinner skin. Men truly have thicker skin and less sensitive skin than women do. This is God's design and it means something for the physical, but also for the emotional. This is why you could say to a guy friend, bro, you're getting fat. But you would not say to your wife the same thing in the same way, right? You wouldn't say, babe, you're getting fat. Why not? I thought equality, right? Isn't that how equality would work? Well, shouldn't that be the same thing? It's good for the goose, it's good for the gander. No, because she's not a dude. And that means something. She's more sensitive. She should lovingly be handled with more tenderness and be honored, the scripture tells us, because she is a woman. And her sensitivity is not a flaw. It is a feature. And it's not a social construct. It is design. And we give glory to God for it all. She is, the Bible tells us, the weaker of the two vessels. But it is good, it is right, and it is beautiful. So a man is strong, but that doesn't mean a woman is to be a weakling. The opposite of the man's strength is not weakness. It is softness and sensitivity. These are features, not flaws. A woman is not a defective man, just like a man is not a defective woman. 
God wants women to be soft and tender. What else do we see? A woman is beautiful. So what does that reveal about the purpose of a woman? Again, this is, a, this is one of those truths that has become lost on us. But it's all through scripture. It's plain throughout the text. You see mention of women and their beauty and women and their beauty. It's another one of those truths. It's just self-evident. We hold this truth to be self-evident. Women are beautiful. Like the sunrise is beautiful. It's objective truth. It's not in a good will. I'm not so sure about that's your opinion. No, this is objective reality that the Lord has built and that the Lord has designed. But when you reject God, the first thing you lose is your common sense. So a woman is beautiful. What does that reveal about the purpose of a woman? A woman is to be beautiful. She is to beautify. She is to bring beauty and make things lovely. Beautifying herself, her home, and the whole wide world. Throughout scripture, women and beauty are often mentioned together. It's another truth that we hold to be self-evident. There's a a movie that Natalie and I watch with the boys. Is it Rapunzel or Tangled? Tangled. But it's about Rapunzel. So Rapunzel gets rescued from the castle and she's with the, you know, this guy who's taking her on this adventure. And he takes her to this pub. And it's just this, it's like a biker pub, but, you know, from, I don't know, back in the day. In the 1700s. So it's all these big, burly, nasty guys. So he walks in the door with her. And uh, she's, she's never left her, the castle with her mother. And now she sees all these big, scary, ugly, tattooed, nasty, you know, villainous men. And... And because he, he wants her to just give up on this whole adventure. And he goes, ah, oh, come on in. And he's acting like it's all wonderful. And he goes, take that in through the nostrils. It really hits you, doesn't it? He said, overall, it just kind of smells like the color brown. And so that's a joke that we make in our household. We say, if Natalie was not in our household, our household would just look like and smell like the color brown, which, you know, doesn't, doesn't necessarily lend itself to the idea of beautification and beauty. But thankfully, Natalie beautifies everything that's in our world. Even this morning, as I was getting ready as I'm finishing my notes for my sermon, Natalie walks in. I won't embarrass you. But Natalie walks in, and she was asking me if I was ready for breakfast, and I was just stunned. And I was like, you're distracting me. And I teased with her for a moment, and the rest of that story is none of your business. But the point is, the beauty of women is obvious. It's not anything to be apologized for, and it's something to be delighted in. And women are not only physically beautiful, but that also speaks to their purpose that they, they beautify. They bring beauty. They bring life. Rebecca Merkel, this is an, another author. She wrote the book called Eve in Exile. This is the book that our ladies are going through right now in the book study together. She says it this way. Beauty is a powerful and compelling force that draws people. And I don't just mean personal beauty or sexual attraction, but beauty in every part of life. Art, music, food, poetry, nature. Beauty tugs at a deeper part of ourselves than our intellect. And our job as women is to take the abstract, the cerebral, the intellectual, and make it lovely, make it beautiful, make it attractive. We are the ones who take the complicated truths of our faith, and instead of saying it to the men in a sermon, we show it to them. Our job is to make holiness beautiful, to make it taste. We draw people to the truth by showing them the beauty of life in Christ and in real, actual, tangible ways. What pastors or men explain with words, women sing with hot food, with wine, with welcoming homes, with love, and with joy that spills out into everything that they touch and draws people irresistibly to the truth being embodied. You're just a woman. (laughs) Sorry, right? No, no apology from the Lord. No apology from anybody. 
What a glorious and beautiful thing that the Lord has designed in making a woman. Let me be a woman. Not me personally. I'm, I'm going to stay a man. But, <laughs> but that's what it should do to the feminine heart. It should draw you to worship. And it should draw the masculine heart to worship. To go, God, you did it so well. Everything you did is so beautiful. It's so perfect. All of your design is excellent. What else do we see about a woman's design? We said she receives her husband inside of her. She gives herself to him. This shows us that a woman is to be what? A woman is to be generally receptive rather than hard and harsh. A harsh, loud, aggressive woman tears down her household. That's a wounded woman. That's a damaged woman who is abandoning her femininity. And ironically trying to protect herself with what she actually thinks, but isn't, what she thinks is masculinity. Unfortunately, this armor does not fit her. It does not protect her, and it only crushes her down even more. It was not suited for her. It was not designed for her, and it's a burden to her. She tries to put it on. Is this how to be harsh? Is this how to be a man? And men are going, no, that we're, we're not just to be harsh. Like our masculinity is not just harshness. Masculinity has the capability for hardness to bear up under the weight of a thing. But masculinity is not labeled as a hard meanness. <laughs> masculinity, we said, is protector, provider, and leader. That's the right thing at the right time. That's gentle with a child. Gentle and nourishing and nurturing to a wife. Oh, Mr. Bad Guy? Yeah, he sees a different face entirely. The, the, the dragons, the threats at the door? That's a different story. Yeah, that's a harshness. But it's the right thing at the right time. Well, I've known a lot of men who, well, they should repent of their sin. We reject sin. We reject anything outside of the fruits of the Spirit. But how do we live according to the fruits of the Spirit as a man, as a woman? A woman is to be receptive rather than harsh and hard. What else do we see? A woman has a womb to grow her babies and breasts to nurse her babies. What does this tell us about the design of a woman? Women are life givers. Duh, pastor obvious. Women are life givers. A woman is to bring nourishment and she is a nurturer. She is for tending to and serving with her femininity. We see this plainly obvious throughout scripture. Women in childbirth, women longing for children, women giving birth to children, the Messiah coming through the very significant birth from a woman, which was promised to the first woman in the garden that the seed, the Messiah will come through your childbirth. You bearing babies, you giving birth will lead to the Messiah himself. Even godless, the, the godless Egyptian midwives we see lived according to their feminine nature when they were assisting and helping the Israelite women to give birth and they deceived Pharaoh and they temporarily held back the genocide. These are just some of the obvious things we see in a woman's body. What else do we see? What was the initiation for woman's creation? In Genesis 2.18, we see woman is a helper to man. This is the core of the core of the core. Everything else is a spoke that comes off of her femininity. But in, in the very initiation of her design, the Lord God said, what's the reason for woman? It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper fit for him. So here we know woman is a helper to man. First Corinthians eleven nine tells us that woman is made for man, but this isn't derogatory. 
I hate that I have to say that, but I do. This isn't derogatory anymore than it's derogatory for a man to be a protector. Oh, I just got to look out for somebody else? Well, yeah. A provider. Oh, I got to provide for somebody else? Yeah. A leader. Oh, I got to be the one thing about the future. I got to be the one charting the court. Yeah. Is that derogatory? No. Is it service-oriented? Absolutely. In the same way, is femininity service-oriented? Absolutely. These things don't make a man less, and they don't make a woman less. Not at all. So a woman giving herself is beautiful and godlike. Both men and women are, are to lay down their life as a man or as a woman. There's a masculine way to lay down your life, protector, provider, leader, and there's a feminine way to lay down your life. Generally, we would say, as the helper. I'm going to read to you from a portion of a book called Masculine Christianity. Uh, Zachary Garris wrote, I'm going to read this portion to you. God's creation of humanity was the pinnacle of his creative work. At the end of each day of creation, God pronounced it as good. However, after the creation of man, God said it was not good. How is this even possible? God made it. It was good. God said it. It was good. Good, 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 good. One, two, three, four, five, six times he says it's good. And now he goes, it's not good. What's not good? That man was alone. Then after the creation of the woman, God says, it's very good. Thus, the situation went from good to not good to very good. And the state of very good resulted from the creation of woman. Woman is the crown of creation. She is a helper fit for man. And together, men and women marry, have children, and rule over creation. This marital relationship is bound by covenant. And though woman was taken out of man, they are joined together in a one flesh relationship. God intended men and women to be kings and queens, crowning them with glory and honor and giving them dominion over all creation. And as the proverb says, an excellent wife is the crown to her husband. Woman is the obvious crown of creation, and she is the crown and glory of man, the scripture says. And she is his perfect, God-ordained equal in value, and she is his helper. Another portion I'm going to read to you. He says, prior to the creation of man, again, everything was good, but now something is not good. It was not good for the man to be by himself. So God made woman as a helper. The Hebrew word, ezer, for a man. She is fit for him. Konegdo is the Hebrew word there, or literally meaning opposite according to the purpose of him. The idea is that a woman compliments a man. She supplies what he lacks, and implicitly, a man supplies what a woman lacks. So we see throughout Scripture that in the Old Testament, this word helper is often, from this point forward, used to describe God himself. Is there a distinction? Is there a difference to be made? There is. There's a context to consider, and Zach does a great job explaining that here. He says, feminists are worried that helper in Genesis 2.18 teaches that a woman is inferior in rank to her husband because she is under his authority. However, the main point of this verse is not that a woman is under her husband's authority, though she is, but rather the point is that God created woman to aid man. Woman's very being is wrapped up in her role as a helper. This is never said of man, though a man obviously helps his wife in other ways. And God is the helper to his people, but he is not created to be the helper to man. 
God is the creator and the ruler of the world, whereas woman was created to help man. She was made for this very purpose. What this means is that God did not create woman to pursue her own career path. Rather, God created woman to help man, to be the, to help man, the worker and the keeper of the garden. Woman provides something to man that he did not have without her, including companionship, including children. Man is inadequate alone. As the Apostle Paul says, for man was not made from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. Man came from the ground, Zach says, and his labor is directed towards the ground. Woman came from the man, and her labor is directed toward the man. I'll say it again. Woman is the obvious crown of creation. She is the crown and glory of man as his perfect, God-ordained, equal-in-value helper. Where and how she was made in Genesis also tells us something else about her. We remember that Adam is made outside of the garden, outside, in the wild. Eve, not so much. Eve is made inside of the garden. Why? There's more structure. There's more order. This is a woman's preference. Man excels at conquering new lands, charting new rivers. Woman excels at cultivating what's already been conquered. Woman tends to prefer maintenance and not risk. And this is good. And it's not good for man to be alone. We compliment one another. If it was just dudes, there would be no end to the expansion and everything would just be brown. (laughs) Everything would just be industrial. If there was only women, we would never expand and conquer. We wouldn't have skyscrapers. I don't know if you know who built those. I don't know if you know who built like um, literally almost everything. Uh, You probably already know. Grace is like, I build stuff. Careful. (laughs) Exception. It's not that they can't, but but general purpose. Who looked at a marshland and thought, we ought to put a marina over there? Who looked at a building and thought, I bet we could put a hundred more stories on them? (laughs) Who who said, how do we get steel beams up up all? Who 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 builds bridges? Mostly. Darren, Darren knows. <clears throat> People aren't arguing about that. We need more women in the coal mines. It's, there's, a, there's a gap there. It's, it's unfair. No, we just want women in the corner office, right? Like, we don't actually want them, like, in the, you know, in the coal mine. We just, you know, the good stuff. The building that the man built, I'd like to be up in that. Yeah, that's, that's normal. Of course you would. We're happy to build it, and we're happy to have you come in and beautify it. Woman is a reason for the man to go out and conquer, but she's also the reason for him to come back. Man was made outside of the garden, in the wild, and straight from the dirt. It means something. We talked about that last week. Woman was made in the garden and not out of the dirt. She was made out of man's rib. We see that woman is twice refined from what man was. From the dirt, out of the garden. Eve, in the garden, out of man. Made out of his rib. What does that tell us? By his side, close to his heart. What else do we know about ribs? God could have taken any bone. He didn't go, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. He didn't go, a femur, because she's going to be a pillar for him. Okay, whatever he would have done would have been meaningful and true and the purpose he wanted us to have. But ribs are flexible. Women are to be flexible helpers according to the need presented. This is wild. Ribs also have some ability to regenerate. A woman has the power to revive others as a life giver. Out of his own body. Why out of his own body? Why not out of the dirt? 
Why not out of a tree? Hey, I made her out of a leaf, a flower. It's beautiful. Out of his own body, so she would be loved and cared for as his own body. This is why they become one flesh. This is why Ephesians 5 tells us that a husband lays down his life for his wife. And he loves her as his own body. For no man ever hated his own flesh. Well, what about, yeah, but yeah, but we're not talking about his own flesh. We're talking about his wife. Same thing. That's the point the scripture makes. Same thing. Out of his own body. She's not another bit of dirt. If the Lord had made her out of the dirt, out of the garden, she would have been a man. She wouldn't have been a woman. She would have been just like him. The same as him, identical to him, just as independent as he is. But she is one who is from him, dependent on his life for hers. Woman is the perfect companion to man. So we're boiling it down. We're closing. What is her role? What is her essence, her soul, her design, her purpose? We've mentioned characteristics, but what is her irreducible core? It is helper. It is life giver. It is the beautifier and the glorifier. What is a man? Protector, provider, leader. All those point to service of others. Somebody else. Well, what about the Lord? We we, we overstepped that one. Walk with the Lord, love him. We'll talk about that another day. But what is a woman in her very essence? There's much freedom around these, but her irreducible core, we couldn't boil it down any farther from helper, life giver, and the beautifier, or we could say the glorifier. Helper. She gives herself to the high calling of building up a household for the glory of God. That's her primary means of helping. A life giver. Woman was taken from man, but now all mankind comes from women. She is to disciple her children and disciple other women to godliness, the scripture tells us. Giving them the life of Christ that is in her. She is the beautifier and the glorifier. The quote goes, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, I've changed it a little bit, but whatever you give a woman, she will make it greater. If you give her your seed, she will give you a baby. If you give her a house, she will give you a home. If you give her grocery money, she will give you a delicious meal. She multiplies and enlarges what is given to her. Woman represents God in a different way than man represents God, but she does represent and glorify God. And she is the crown of man and the glory of man. Woman is a good thing. If you are a woman, rejoice in it, delight in it, and embrace it more fully. Do, do what Eve did not do. And as you've been redeemed in Christ, you can joyfully say, I'm a child of my father. Let me be a woman. There's nothing greater for a woman to be. There's nothing greater for a man to be than a man. There's nothing greater for a woman to be than a woman. Why? Well, because a helper is a wonderful thing. God is our help. You may notice that verse that we read as our magnification this morning. I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Yes. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. That's the same word, help. Wow. The same word. That helper. It's magnificent. It's glorious. Don't let the snake deceive you, Eve. Yeah. Don't let him lie. It is good to be a woman. It is beautiful. So now the question is, what do you do with it? What area of your femininity, would you, would you reach out to the Lord and say, Lord, grow me here, bless me there, strengthen me here, bring me clarity, bring me maturity. And then you should do the same with last week's message. Where, where is it that I need to grow? I'm not hitting the bullseye perfectly. I'm speaking for me. I'm not hitting the God's perfect bullseye for masculinity. So Lord, what would that look like? How, how can I grow to look more like Christ? 
as a protector, as a provider, as a leader. And women, you could ask the same question. Lord, what would it look like for me to grow and enjoy and embrace the beauty of your good design? Lord, we honor you. We worship you for what you've done, for what you've created and how you've done it. All of your ways are perfect. We won't apologize for them. Instead, we'll step deeply into them with joy, with joy to tell the good news to the whole world about the king who made all things, the king who is worthy, the king who should be honored, the king who should be obeyed, the king who should be worshiped, the king who made man in his image, male and female, he created them because it pleased him to do so. God, we thank you for your beautiful work. Continue to etch it into us even more deeply, into our children, into our children's children. We pray for our country, God, and we ask that you would bring your clarity and your truth to bless this land where there's such perversion, where there's such distortion. The enemy has lied. He has robbed men of their joyful masculinity. He has robbed women of their beautiful femininity. God, restore the joy of your creation by giving us the joy of your salvation. Make the gospel plain, make it clear, make it known throughout the land so that people can know the full and the whole gospel of the kingdom of God, that they would know all of your ways are good, true, right, and beautiful. They could enjoy it, acknowledge you, love you, and glorify you forever in Jesus' name. And now the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine down upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you great peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.